0: Radio 610 WTVN. For the Defense, the only live legal show of its kind in Columbus. The Koffel Law Firm, one of Ohio's leading criminal defense firms. Your host of For the Defense, Columbus attorney Brad Koffel.
1: I didn't know Liberty was so divisive. Uh, I hope we don't start naming future flu strains. Uh, Otherwise, we're going to go through this every year. I can tell you that uh, people have been liberated back to their restaurants and bars. We've had, my f- my firm has had more calls for DUI representation the last two days than the last two months. So America's bouncing back. We're feeling liberated. But uh, hopefully our kids can go back to school in the fall so we don't force homeschooling, Zoom learning, whatever. Nutty ideas that have never been tested or tried before, like kids wearing masks in school. I'm supposed to—I've got three jury trials scheduled here this summer that have been postponed, and I'm being told that I'm going to be wearing a mask, my client's going to be wearing a mask, and I'm not allowed to approach the witnesses on the witness stand. That uh, that's, that's not going to work. Sorry. We're going to figure out who's making up these policies. Get back to that. But uh, back to school— Let's hope that our government does not eliminate history class from its curriculum, because our 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 children, the future leaders of our country, uh, they now more than ever need to be taught in school and at home that the Constitution establishes federal government. It has three branches, not four. It has three: you have a legislative branch, executive branch, and the judicial branch. The legislative branch, Article One of the Constitution, I think is the uh, the most important one there uh but those are those are what you know we all know those are uh, uh, uh grant limited powers and defined roles to each of those branches we call them separation of powers why because um we we know as as men and women as man uh that no single body becomes so powerful that it can rule tyrannically over the others uh including the states the people uh we've got checks and balances built inside our government. And also the people check the government. We have enumerated powers. We've told the government what we are willing to cede. And we have a Bill of Rights just to make sure that they don't forget. So we, the citizens, set this up, not the other way around. And this is all on great display right now. One great thing about the pandemic or the, the coronavirus, the pandemic, whatever you want to call it, uh, the, the the Constitution was intended to prevent the the over-centralization or concentration of power in the federal government. And, and it's, it's the building blocks to, prefer, to preserve uh, a Republican government, meaning that we vote in who we choose to be our leaders, and they can only do what we've told them to do. And if they run amok, we've got the courts, and they all check on each other. Why do we have this form of government? Well, uh, a millennia of previous written history has proved what happens when too much power gets in the hands of too few men. So back to that first article of the constitutional Constitution. I don't want to bore anybody, but uh, it's revolutionary, literally revolutionary. Congress, the legislative branch, is most directly accountable to the people. We can vote them in and out. They've got uh, uh, shorter terms. Uh, they are accountable to us. Well, what have they done? They've delegated a lot of their decision-making power to unelected agencies. Where'd this come from? Well, the Great Depression probably was the the big, mm, the big seminal moment in time. FDR launched the New Deal. Uh, Congress passed laws creating federal agencies after federal agencies, after federal agency, delegating power to these agencies to regulate whom? Us. Vast segments of the economy and daily life. And in many instances, bypassing right over the states. I mean, just state control, just right over on you know mandates from, from federal government. Well, the Supreme Court, who's designed to check and balance such power, struck down a number of these programs. A lot of people may not know this, but you know, you, you go through law school, you learn constitutional law first, my first class, my first day, first class, first year law school, constitutional law, Professor Brian Freeman. And it shouldn't constitutional law shouldn't be this hard to understand. The problem is we've gone so far away from a constitutional form of republicanism that a lot of us think that what's going on right now is normal and okay, when in fact our founding fathers would be appalled to find out how much power is in the hand of a t- few. So the Supreme Court in the 30s and 40s, you know, largely the 30s, struck down a number of these programs. So what did the president do? What FDR do? Well, first of all, he decided to run for a third term. Not even George Washington did that. And then a fourth term. And then over those four terms, guess what he was able to do? He was re- able to replace the sitting justices with men no women yet, men who shared his ideological views. Once that dam broke, the other two federal branches also seized and expanded authority over the states and us, the individuals. So now it's commonplace for the executive branch, president and governors, to legislate by order. Well, put that aside for a minute. We've been feeling that from our, our governors. This fourth branch that was never contemplated nor enumerated, meaning... A contract. We're going to turn over some of our rights to the government, keep us protected uh, from foreign aggressors, protect us from domestic hostilities. These are enumerated powers. Uh, this fourth branch has very little oversight, has very few checks and balances. It has a voracious appetite for more power and control. It's the federal bureaucracy. And now it's dripped down to the states, and we have state bureaucracy, also known as an administrative state. Now, the administrative state. It absolutely destroys the very idea of a representative legislature. Uh, These folks create regulations that have the force of law, rules that have the force of law, including criminal and civil penalties. Wait till you start to hear some of the stories that I'm hearing from my restaurant owner friends and bar owner friends from the last two nights. Wait till these stories come out. Wait till you find out what Department of Health inspectors are doing running through the bars and restaurants right now. If you're standing up and consuming alcohol, you're sighted, the bar's cited. just wait till you hear some of these stories. I was on the phone with a lawyer that represents a lot of these folks just a few minutes ago, and, I, and I'm like, I got to go. I mean, this is, I, we can do a whole show on this, but we have this, uh, these, these departments and agencies that have created so many criminal offenses that we don't even know how many are out there and try to appeal these administrative agencies. With few exceptions, the courts defer to these administrative agencies. So modern administrative law, and now in law school you actually have courses, admin law. They have power, resources, and tentacles that boggle the mind. And how much money do we, individuals and business owners, have to pay lawyers, accountants, business consultants, just to stay in regulatory compliance? I have another friend who is a law firm... One of the fastest growing law firms that I'm aware of based here in Columbus, Ohio, that's going na- nationwide, all, all their firm does is is represent businesses and trying to stay in compliance with these regulations in all the states they they uh, do business. So bureaucracy will continue to grow under all future presidents unless it is reined in by us, the people. And there's a way to do that. Uh, constitutional amendment. Uh, you, you can do it. But we have more on that in future shows. But this vast bureaucracy of rulemaking and executive fiat, the public, we're not being informed by our government and let us make our own decisions. But we're being indoctrinated and manipulated into believing both presidents and governors have limitless authority to rule by executive fiat in defiance of or over the top of our General Assembly or Congress. Those are the people that have the, the actual uh, authority and can oversee our governors and our president. Um, But we've delegated so much of this lawmaking power to departments and agencies of its own creation that the separation of powers doctrine is gone. We've got czars. We've got policy czars, immigration czars, environmental czars, labor, health care, welfare, energy. And just in the past three months, all Americans have met two such czars, Dr. Amy Act in Ohio, Dr. Fauci in D.C. My question is... The Constitution specifically prohibits this. The powers of government should should are supposed to be more divided, more balanced, more checks, more restraint. We were supposed to have an, a kind of an innocuous government uh, with specific grants of power, and now it's become this ever-present and unaccountable force. Mark Levin says in one of his books. Let me read this. The federal Government, the, the bureaucracy, the federal government is the nation's largest creditor, nation's largest debtor, nation's largest lender, largest employer, largest consumer, largest contractor, largest grantor of property, largest property owner, largest tenant, largest insurer, largest healthcare provider, largest pension guarantor. That's our federal government. What can you do that's not subject to some government supervision and control? Are we literally that immoral, that criminal, or that inept that we need so much supervision and control? Why are grown men and women being ticketed for standing and having a beer or a drink? This is where we are right now in America. How, can, how are we even competent enough to vote for our own leaders? How, how are we even competent to fill out these silly tax returns? When did we go from being citizens to subjects? And this beast needs fed. It has a tremendous appetite. It's going to eat our tax dollars. Who's going to pay for all this? Public employees wait until this Leviathan wants your pension. It's promised you. We can't print more money. I don't know. Coming up on the show, nation one of the nation's top education law attorneys joins the general and me in a frank and candid conversation about reopening schools this fall. I've taken some heat on Facebook, some of my thoughts. After the break, like, I don't care, but after the break, we're going to talk about that. Brad Koffel, 610 WTVN. If you're just joining us, uh, I'm attorney Brad Coffle with the law firm of Koffel, Brenninger and The general is with me, attorney Eric Willison. Uh, the, the outgoing song of the first segment, uh, aptly called Stranglehold by Ted Nugent. Uh, and I'm wondering, in 1975, when the Nuge uh, uh, released that song—great, great tune, by the way—he uh, was—he uh, that <laughs> in 1975. Uh, if he would have known, he would have posted the following on something called Facebook. Let me read this to you. These are not my words. These are Ted Nugent's words. The Nuge, Motor City Madman. Uh, he's expressing the growing frustration of many. He says, quote, Why do I have to stay home just because you are scared? How about you stay home? You stay in your house indefinitely. You wear a mask. You socially distance yourself from me. You avoid restaurants. You avoid baseball games. You stay off the roads. You avoid malls, beaches, and parks. I'm done playing your dumb game. I'm no longer going to be a prisoner of your fear. I'm no longer staying in my house or catering to you because you're scared. Your fear is not an excuse to destroy America. Your fear is not my fear. And your fear does not have the right to interfere with my life, my job, my income, or my future as a free American citizen. End quote. Ted Nugent. Quite right. Cue up, stranglehold. Uh, General, what's your take on all this? You've been to the grocery store? I have. Uh, You going the right way on the one-way
0: aisles? I didn't see any one-way aisles. Oh, no, they're there. (laughs) Yeah, dude, they're there. Really? Oh, yeah. Because I'm only going one way. Well, they're
1: little arrows, you know. I mean, I've been at Kroger, Giant Eagle, and Whole Foods, and there are
0: uh, one-way signs. You're... Or, like I say, I'm only going yeah, one you, way. Yeah, you're Mr. McHugh. <laughs> so, uh, um, you know, am I just looking, going over the, where the toilet paper is, you know, because there's so much of this stuff going around. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I was reading an article uh, this morning about uh, an epidemic that swept through the United States back in 1968. It was called the Hong Kong flu. Um, and it took 100,000 Americans. It was like, what do you call it, uh, H3N1? Or H3N2. 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 Yeah, it was called the Hong Kong flu because uh, some Marines... How many Americans died? 100,000. One million worldwide passed away. Wow. And uh, it was suspected to have been brought back from Hong Kong by Marines who were rotating back from Vietnam. And uh, it, it basically went through the U.S. The only thing that, that anybody did that was different from the ordinary... Uh, they said it was just you wash your hands a lot and you stay home if you're sick. Mm. And I think that that's probably still good to uh, it, laws today. It, it
1: is. Uh, I believe the risk is small when comparing the number of people who've been diagnosed with COVID-19. And more importantly, the people who've recovered who don't know it. I think, two of my family, I, I, I know, I believe, of course, we can't prove this anymore. I believe I know more people who've had it, we didn't have a name tied to it, and who've recovered than people who I actually know have had it with a name tied to it.
0: Right. And, and we don't have, if you're looking at it for a fraction, we don't have a denominator, have a denominator and right. we don't have a numerator. And then the other thing is we get these idiots, these idiots in the mainstream media saying, oh, the United States, you know, leads the world with with confirmed cases. We lead the world in testing.
1: Yep. You know, many of us Cold War kids grew up hearing all about fallout shelters and Geiger counters, And now the fallout shelters are our homes. And Geiger counters are these uh, temperature gauges that we're going to have to have on our foreheads. And, you know, the symptoms, coughing, sneezing, fever. I mean, we we just, moving forward, I just suggest that we don't start naming every seasonal flu that comes through that doesn't have a vaccine tied to it. Uh, But uh, I just think it's, I, I don't know. And I know there are a lot of rational, reasonable people on the other side of this. And I'm not trying to demean their opinions at all. I respect the fact that there are differing opinions. Uh, but my opinion is that uh, grocery stores where they're wearing masks, many aren't, one-way traffic aisles, these plastic walls separating us from the cashier, um, That's I see that theater. But nobody seems to be very fearful about going outside other than the the, the folks that need to be life and death concerned about it. Like...
0: Uh, perhaps your your folks, my folks well there's there's no evidence of anybody who's ever contracted the disease outside. I think there's no evidence i I think
1: going to stores and going to restaurants, uh, nobody seems scared there. So if this was Ebola, if we were hemorrhaging out of our eyeballs, you get it, you die. Hey, these measures make a ton of sense to me, but I know I'm not alone on this, and I know a lot of people are in agreement with this. We can't wait for a vaccine to be created and there's no guarantee a vaccine will even work. And probably as with influenza, no, a single vaccine is unlikely to protect everyone from a strain. Do we stay at home until we can perfect, perfect safety? I, I just, and then we got to deal with schools this fall. Um, uh, I just, I don't know. I mean, we're the status of schools has come into focus a lot in the last week or two. And, uh, you know, Dr. Fauci gave some Senate testimony, and, and he warned that it would be a, quote, a bridge too far uh, for those making decisions about reopening schools to expect that there will be an effective vaccine or treatment available by the fall. That's just not going to happen. Has that been misinterpreted as advising against schools reopening?
0: Sounds to me like it has, if that's what the conclusion people are drawing.
1: It's, he's merely saying they won't have a particular set of tools available. So if, if they are to reopen, there have to be focus on other tools. But, uh, you know, the, we know the lethality who it affects. 70-year-olds, uh, 80-year-olds. Like Ted Nugent. Yep. And apparently prisoners and corrections officers. Uh, I don't believe that septuagenarians and octogenarians, corrections officers, and inmates are going to be teaching our kids. That leaves our teachers and our janitors and our administrative staff. What do you do? Because there are plenty of those folks who love what they do, mm -hmm. but they also do worry about their health or taking something home that gets to their parents. And that is a legitimate concern. I think it's very simple.
0: Instead of quarantining the healthy, we need to quarantine the sick and quarantine those who are at risk. Most teachers that I walk around seeing are a lot younger than I am. And if there are going to be some older teachers, well, you know, there's there's going to be some parents who are a little bit nervous about sending their kids back in the fall. Why don't we have the older teachers do the homeschooling for them? I think that the we have to also that what is being taken into
1: consideration are the huge societal costs of closing or severely restricting the reopening or going through this whole new, you know, uh, method of educating that may have little or no health benefit relative to the absolute detriment or cost to the kids
0: relative I mean, to our constitutional rights to an yeah, education and
1: we're gonna to talk to attorney Susan Stone up in Cleveland who's one of the nation's leading education law experts if you're a parent and you want to be informed about the the legal parameters on what um, our superintendents and school boards can do and or our governor by fiat stick around and listen to this conversation coming up after the break Brad Cawful Eric Wilson 610 WTVN
0: News Radio 610 WTVN For the Defense The only live legal show of its kind in Columbus The Koffel Law Firm One of Ohio's leading criminal defense firms Your host of For the Defense Columbus Attorney Brad Koffel
1: Welcome back If you uh, missed the first half of the show Our show is always going to be put up online uh, iHeartMedia app 610WTVN .com Normally on Sunday afternoons Emily, uh, my producer, can get that up there. Our law firm's website, K O F F E L L A W K-O-F-F-E-L-L-A-W.com. Monday through Friday, I'm representing uh, individuals, uh, middle school, high school, college kids, adults, their parents on various types of crimes, uh, investigations and prosecutions and indictments. And um, on the weekend, I get to prep for the show. And on Sundays at 11.06, we go live with the general and we get to talk about the uh, what is happening in America and we look at it from a legal lens. But the first half was on this this administrative state that we're dealing with where a lot of the hard political decisions by our elected elected, uh, uh, officials, our legislature, and our um, presidents and governors get to punt to unelected administrative agencies and directors. And our founding fathers never contemplated the ability for them to punt Uh, The whole contemplation was, we'll tell you what you can do, and if you don't do what we tell you to do, we're going to vote you out. But now we've got this federal and state leviathan that needs to be fed, and it's all these agencies and all these agencies and all these agencies. And they regulate almost every form of life to the point where you, you really don't have a lot of free will. You have to check in with the government on every step of the way and see what you can do. Wait till you hear about the restaurant and bar owners from the weekend. Wait till you hear these stories, people standing up. Holding a beer, it's a violation of a regulation that came out late Thursday afternoon, and restaurant owners and bar owners who were studying this with their lawyers uh, caught them all by surprise. But these regulations just come out of the blue. There's no, there's very little oversight. There's very little checks and balances, and we're going to continue to plow down on that concept in future on future shows. But first, uh, we. We have on the on the line. I hear her rustling around back there. Uh, a, a, a attorney Susan Stone in Cleveland. And Susan, I believe you have one of your partners with you.
2: I do. I have Christina Supler, uh, the other half of a uh, dynamic duo here in Cleveland. Thanks, Brad, for having us. Well,
1: it's a thrill. And for those of you that don't know, uh, th- these two lawyers are arguably two of the top in uh, in America on education law. Uh, civil rights title nine um, they are not afraid to sue any university or school uh, district that is violating any student rights and they're they're wonderful and i refer cases to them and they are absolutely five star uh, and they they love what they do but in most parts of america susan children have been out of school since the middle of march and in-person learning has been canceled and now with a wave of summer camp closures rippling across the country, there's a raging debate over whether schools will, what type of position they'll be in the fall. Talk about K through 12, but also we have college kids and their parents who've spent tens of thousands of dollars for their their kids to live and learn on campus, and they're starting to reach a conclusion that this isn't what they paid for, uh, distance learning and the value proposition of, online, of, of higher education. Let's talk about K through 12. Uh, Susan... What do you, you guys? Uh, what, what do we? What do we need to know here, going into this? Uh, if you're advising a superintendent or a school board or even the governor,
2: so we we'll have to look at the Ohio statute three three one three point four eight that provides for free education, and what that statute states, Brad, is that the board of education in each city shall provide for the free education of youth within the district and that schools are supposed to be open for so many hours. Basically, for little ones in kindergarten, it's 455 days up to you get over 1,000 hours once you get into high school. Now, the districts are going to argue that open for education is the same as distance learning in this time of COVID-19. What? That sounds great in reality, but what does it look like in practice in the homes across the the state and across the country? And I'm here to tell you as an education lawyer is that this is gonna be creating issues for our children. They're gonna last far beyond COVID. Uh, Christina, why don't you even talk about what it's like for your little kids in your house?
3: Sure, fortunately I'm in a situation, I have two young children and um, they're, they're both very motivated and, and self-directed, but nonetheless, especially for little ones, the bottom line is doing distance learning at home with, you know, a parent working, it's just not the same as being in school. And I think you couple the changes in learning with tra- trauma or emotional, you know, fallout in the closure of schools, kids missing their friends, parents perhaps, being laid off, um, and, you know, experiencing financial struggle. The bottom line is learning at home, distance learning is not the same as the whole emotional social education experience that children have when they're in a school building.
1: You're, we're listening to attorneys, Susan Stone and Christina Supler, uh, Cleveland based education law, uh, education lawyers, title nine, civil rights, and they are wonderful advocates for their clients. Uh, Let's talk about, uh, Susan, you brought up to me on the phone yesterday when we spoke uh, special education services. Uh, uh, Talk a couple minutes about that, uh, Susan and Christina.
2: Sure. So the federal government has a statute called IDEA, the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. And in that act, basically all States are required to deliver to students a free, appropriate public education to students with disabilities. In that, you're supposed to receive, if you're a student with disabilities, an individualized education plan that gives special education and related services, speech therapy, occupational therapy, social skills therapy. Now, the Department of Education is basically saying, under Betsy DeVos, schools, do your best. But in practical terms, what does that mean for a student with disabilities? If you're autistic and you require socialization, that cannot be done on all practical purposes when you're sitting at home. They're saying for blind students, it's okay, you can pick up the phone and give education, you know, through the telephone. It's a disaster what for about, kids.
1: Susan, what about ADD, ADHD? That seems to be the number one uh diagnosis that i see in my practice with uh was with 504 ieps
2: there's a new syndrome out called now toxic stress and toxic stress basically is the way the brain reacts to any type of stress much like ptsd and they're finding with students they're now feeling this toxic stress worse and if you're adhd and you're trying to learn and sit there and focus through the lens of a computer, they're saying this stress level is reaching proportions that we have never seen. And it is actually worse giving them this distance learning than no learning at all, because the anxiety, the stress levels are just reaching all-time high. And they're saying that these students are not absorbing any of the curriculum or very little of the curriculum. It's almost impossible for a student with ADD
3: to handle Sitting in a chair, focusing on a screen, and I would say the reality is how many of us have homes where there's a spot or a location free of distraction where students, particularly little ones, can sit down and try to again dive into schoolwork. I mean, we're just we're surrounded by distraction day in and day out. I, I, Dogs barking, yeah.
2: siblings on different schedules, parents on computers,
3: uh, the. Oh my gosh! Even the washing machine going yeah. is a distraction. Uh, I confess myself having you know done some laundry and unloaded a dishwasher or two along the way while I'm you know trying to work and take care of the kids and everything else.
1: Yeah, and now that a lot of parents are going back to work, and if we're going to have kids, let's say one of the concepts is that fifty percent of the school populations go in on these days, the other fifty percent are go in on these these days by default, you're going to have. Uh, a large chunk of home homeschooling home learning and if the parents are gone if it's a one parent household or a two parent household uh, and they're back at work who steps in to take care of those kids a lot of times grandkids or grandparents
2: well the very people we're trying to protect but, well I was just thinking about how do you have a grandparent who is above the age of 65 or so Come into a home where people are going in and out of their workplaces. Yeah, that's not a good idea or a good solution.
1: Well, where can your where can our listeners get more information? Uh, your website is loaded. Is it just kjk dot com?
2: Yes, uh, you can find us under type on our name Susan Stone or Christina Supler at kjk dot com. We're putting out blogs. We're putting out podcasts, videos. Awesome. And we're trying to stay on top of all of these issues.
1: That's where I go for a lot of my information, kjk.com. Uh, Susan Stone, Christina Supler, both fantastic lawyers. Thanks for stepping in on our show today and giving us some good information. Have a great I rest of day. I think we
2: had happy information for you for Awesome. Not looking good out there. I
1: know, I know. We'll talk to you soon, no doubt. After the break, the general and I are going to look at some of the economics that uh, you may not be aware of. A little Goldman Sachs study came out recently. Brad Koffel, 610 WTVM. <music> Attorney Brad Koffel with Koffel, Brenninger, and Nesbitt. Monday through Friday, we are in court. Well, when court's open. And our clients hopefully are not going to be wearing masks in front of juries uh, this summer.
0: Objection! For or
1: objection. <laughs> fighting for their liberty as, the, as as we are trying to fight for their their rights with masks on you think of the poor, the poor court reporter <laughs> excuse <laughs> me could you say that it's, again <laughs> uh if you've trying jury trials is one of the most exhilarating things uh and uh they're 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 technical they amazing consumption of energy and you're you're uh you, you just it takes a lot to get through one if you care and most lawyers do prosecutors and defense attorneys and but, uh, man, the things they're going to be asking us to do this, this summer, maybe into the fall, uh, I mean, you, the, these jury, uh, we're going to have, uh, uh, where the jury's going to sit, going to be separated by glass, uh, partitions. We're not being allowed to approach the witnesses. Uh, we have to sanitize all our exhibits uh, before we give them to the court reporter. We've got to sit. We can't walk around. We've got to wear masks. I mean, this is, uh, this is, uh, this is nutty. Uh, But for some light stuff, a friend of mine sent me a Goldman Sachs study Friday, and I got glued to it. And what I, and I want to share some of these statistics. These are year over year percentage changes. So I first, I went through this, these charts, and I pulled out some companies that were really not doing very well in the first quarter. And then they just skyrocketed in second quarter. Walmart Groceries, Netflix. Again, these were underperforming First quarter. They were in the red. And then they just blew through the green. Uh, Walmart Groceries, Netflix, Disney Plus, MSNBC, and CNN. They were kind of underperforming, and then they popped. Grubhub, DoorDash, and Uber Eats. That makes sense. Map My Run. Uh, Down Dog Yoga. General? Um, Did you get that one? No, I didn't uh, do much yoga. <laughs> and Skype. Uh... Here are companies that were doing great the first quarter and then exploded in the second quarter. Peloton. Let me give you the Peloton statistics. Peloton, if you're not familiar, uh, is, the, uh, is the company that you get on a, a bike and you, you pedal around um, with a, uh, uh, on, a, on a monitor and it's a live class. And Peloton, let's see if I can find this real quick, but they went up like 2,000% uh, every week. They were just growing by, by thousands of percent. It's a Peloton. Costco was doing great, and it exploded. Zoom was doing great, and then it exploded in the second quarter. Uh, leading indicators of problems, so if you were to look into the future, what, what type of, now what we know, what future indicators could tell us that we may have some future problems, Uber and Lyft rides, when those go down, things the, the people are starting to feel fearful about something. Uh, they started double, down double digits first week of February. Movie releases, so the, the execs in the production uh, business and the, and the movie distribution business did not release any movies, so they knew something was coming. The top five U.S. airports, international passenger travel, was down dramatically in uh, early March open table app reservations down dramatically in early March before this is all stuff before we started thinking of coronavirus so open table app goes down uber and lyft goes down movie releases planet fitness was having a record year first quarter then got crushed absolutely crushed so who do you want to own moving forward netflix zoom and amazon uh, video chat app downloads are up thirteen 13%, percent, 1,300% in the past two weeks. And PayPal indicated that May 1st was the largest single day of transactions in the company's history. And app downloads of online payments, such as PayPal, Venmo, Cash App, and Zelle, uh, are accelerating through the first two weeks of May. So they are—I uh, I think people are willing— to continue this virtual world. We may see, you know, I think kind of cash. And when was the last time you really handled cash?
0: I just bought a used car.
1: Okay. Uh, and, uh, the, the company Etsy, the Etsy marketplace online had its highest month ever as a public company. Um, and, uh, in April and the two highest days of all time were last Thursday or two Thursdays and Fridays ago. Uh, And so people love to go online. They're doing their online shopping. Uh, Aircraft travel, passenger commercial aircraft travel, obviously was down 48% in May, 61% April. But we're starting to see some signs of life. There's a a bit of a pulse in um, lodging, uh, hotels, and, and resorts that you can drive to, and leisure markets. Naples and Sedona specifically are seeing pops, according to this Goldman Sachs study, and they're seeing the first signs of recovery for the Memorial Weekend bookings. Um, Mortgage applications in the last week of April were down 19% year over year, stands to reason. Um, But they were down 35% the first week of April. So mortgage applications seem to be coming back, and so I think we're getting some signs of life.
0: I looked at that. I was suspicious that uh, the nudie bars weren't covered in the article.
1: Oh, but uh, if if you are in, you know, outlet malls, I think are are going to hurt big time. Uh, I still think aircraft passenger travel is going to hurt. Uh, live events are going to hurt. Amusement parks are going to hurt. Curious to see what happens with sports, and I'm also very curious with uh, with Uber and Lyft. How many people are going to want to get back in there for a while? Hmm.
0: I think that a lot of people are gonna start missing places like Disney World and they're just gonna say, you know what, I don't care. Let's go. I do too.
1: I, I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be early twenty one before that happens. Anyway, Brad Cawell, the general Eric Willison, that's the end of the show. We'll see what happens in America this week. There'll be plenty and we'll talk about it next Sunday. Have a great, healthy rest of your day.